0: i finally caught up like oh, did this you? week i've been because i don't listen to any i don't obviously don't listen to the ones i'm on but like i caught up on i went back like probably listened to 10 this week because yeah. they're not actually that long when you're in the train and stuff oh, so i listened to lee's just i didn't know you were on this week but yeah. i listened oh, okay. to your one yesterday so
1: <laughs> well well i feel like we've already started well
0: manda set a high bar so i've got a i've got a you think so yeah manda <laughs> did a great job so i've got a i've got a Raise my game. It's good. It's all right. Well, it's yeah, good. Yeah. No it's,
1: extra, it's like competition in a football squad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you could keep I can't, spot. I can't get lazy. <laughs> I yeah, <laughs> get, can't lazy get lazy. can't switch off. <laughs> well, we're back on the Chip Lunch podcast. Woo. Uh, after a momentous episode 100 last week. Mm. Uh, did you enjoy that, Braden?
0: Yes, yeah, massively enjoyable. It's fun to Mass- celebrate. celebrate that milestone with, with Lou. It's was very fun.
1: Yes, it was. Good guest to have. Longest yes. podcast ever. Yeah. Two-punch podcast. Yet. Two minutes, 16, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. No, two hours. It was like, no, two, two, minutes two minutes. Shortest Longest podcast. <laughs> we've yeah, ever that's had. right. We did bite-sized <laughs> podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Sounds worth listening to. Yeah, it <laughs> was. It was really good. Also, mm. with a beautiful background of orange yes. and green. Yes. yes. Welcome back to the podcast, though, Lee. Good more orange
0: and green this week. Oh. oh wrong wrong island flag. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> dangerous. That's that my is bad. dangerous. Terrifying. Yeah, 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 <laughs>
1: you didn't pick up on the cues from the last one nah, did you? No, nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Nah. yes, yes. That's that's right. Right. Well, you have got a Irish, Irish background. Yes. So that's yes. probably what you were thinking. about. Yes, my
0: my, my long orange beard left yesterday, but yeah. still still like Well, I it? got rid of a lot of it, yeah. Oh, did you?
1: Okay. Yeah. And
2: that's all right. I don't I don't get offended and I'm I've been living away from Northern Ireland now
1: for 18 Oh, more oh, than that's eight. what we said. Yeah. That's yeah. what i said yeah. yeah. in the last episode. Eight. Eight. I was yeah. listening to the the eight. your uh, last episode just there for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the car. I had to drop some at the airport this morning, and I, on the way home, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> eight, eight. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and then um, I was trying. Yeah, I was trying to do. I was just basically trying to repeat what you were saying. It's all, <laughs> Josh, all Josh. All in the files. Your son, your son, Josh. Yeah, Josh. Sorry, or you say face place. Face, face. Don't move your mouth. Face, oh. yeah. place. No, it's So you, you want to move, move, move my, my mouth because you
2: want to go face, place, Fierce, taste. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> You're
0: good at that. You're very good <laughs> yeah. at that. I enjoy it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: face, they're better. Face, face. I think but nothing. You nothing your makes your mouth. you you're right about your that. Your vile movements need
2: to yeah. kind of change. Nothing makes you, you valve, recognize your, your, your own right?
0: accent like someone else doing it poorly. Like it's like once once there's an American doing an Australian accent in a movie or whatever, you're like oh. That's we don't sound like that at all. Yeah, well yeah. Like when, you tra- <laughs> when you're like
1: traveling in Europe or America, you can pick an Australian accent out. Like you hear and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like. yeah, yeah. Well, if you go back to some of
2: the old school, like pre 9 11 every terrorist, pretty much in a movie, was Northern Irish, and it was somebody oh. putting on a really bad Belfast
3: accent,
1: oh, real <laughs> well. Wow. And, and yeah. So, yeah, so we always balked at that. Yeah, uh, except for to um, be Northern Irish Air Force One. You've seen Everforce One with Harrison oh, Ford. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's Gary Oldman, but he's like doing a Russian accent. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. And then he's, there's a bit where he goes, They said, You said you were going to let us go. And he goes, Forgive me. I lied. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was thinking, Yeah, there's some movie with Sean Bean where I think he's a oh, Northern N- Irish bad guy. I'm trying to remember yeah. if it's a James Bond movie or something like that. Mm, yeah, yeah, I can't no. remember. Yeah, or no,
1: something. he's in a yeah. James Bond movie. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Lee, you're back on for part two. And, um, uh, I was going to say, you've been travelling around a bit. Do you yeah. want to tell us why that was as an intro to, the, to this episode? Yeah, because I don't think we talked about what I do for work in the last um, I
2: oh, podcast. Good segue. No. So, yeah, so I now work, um, since February this year, work as the Director of Partnerships for MTS, Ministry Training Strategy, which is an organisation that's been around for about 40 years plus plus. And, uh, and our vision is to see the world, Australia and the world one for Christ mm-hmm. by multiplying gospel workers through ministry apprenticeships. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've seen, I think, by God's grace, and um, 3,500 odd apprentices wow. over the last 40 years, many of them have went into gospel ministry. But the conviction really is that if we wanna see the world one for Christ, then we need to equip the saints who Like we need to equip the saints to present and proclaim Jesus to the people around them. Mm. And uh, the way that we do that is through this gift that God has given to the church called gospel workers. Who will do Ephesians 4.11 and equip the saints to grow up into maturity. um, And do the things that has been set aside in advance for them Mm. to do. So my job is to basically help us partner with more churches. So that we can see more gospel workers. To help us reach the 24 million people who are lost outside of Jesus. Um, so that's what I do for work. And this last little bit of the season has been recruit season. So there's been lots of conferences filled with people who are considering gospel ministry or somebody else has brought them along because yeah. they think that they should consider gospel ministry. And it's really just a, a G up to go here's the biblical vision and uh, normally those conferences as well have lots of equipping but also helping people work out how to take the next steps so i've been in adelaide melbourne i'm going down to melbourne in a couple of weeks for another one as well so that has taken me around a little bit to places in australia that i've never been before and it's exciting it's awesome to have conversations with people
1: who are considering gospel ministry and encouraging them to do that? So yeah, that's cool, and you've got a bit of a story to tell about that as well. So it's it's helpful, like you've been doing something sim- similar, yeah, over, the, over your life. So that's that's pretty fun. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I was a very reluctant
2: uh, <laughs> participant in a sense, like yeah. like when I, I think I said in the last episode that when I became a Christian, it was like a no brainer for me to. Want to share the best news that I've ever heard with mm. whoever would listen, and uh, but I didn't really see God's place for the church um, in that. Like I had, mm. I just I didn't grow up in church. Became a mm. Christian later on. I had no idea that the church was this beautiful bride of Christ, even though it's not perfect um, yeah. but as the Bride of Christ and as as the people of God we're to be the people who proclaim and present Jesus like mm-hmm. we are the primary vehicle for the gospel actually going out to the world yeah. and I, I didn't really grasp that when I had become a Christian it took quite a while mm-hmm. uh, so it wasn't until 2008 that I, Eight. Eight, that's right, <laughs> 2008. That, that I, I, I really, that, that a bunch of things, just the penny kind of dropped for me and God yeah. showed me... That direction, and I ended up in gospel ministry, working in a church as a youth pastor. Much to my surprise, I think, as you
1: said, you couldn't think of anything worse than becoming a pastor. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah.
2: That's right. That's right. And and I think that was just because I, you know, like what I saw, particularly growing up in Northern Ireland, was, you know, this very straighty one eighty middle class, very Mm. educated person who just seemed distant to. Mm. Uh, to the people around them and, and in the community and and, uh, and and a lot of that was a lot of that would have been true um, but a lot of that would have been just wrapped up in my own prejudice I, I grew up in a housing Commission area in Northern Ireland and anybody who had you know like one car on the drive and didn't live in a housing commission area that they were they weren't the enemy but it was, you felt that distance yeah. between them. So You've got more a lot than of, us, yeah. Yeah, we, that's yeah. right. So there were a lot of hang-ups that I had that were just my hang-ups oh, okay. um, that prevented me and, uh, from doing that. And, you know, now I'm, I'm a white, fat, middle-aged, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow.
1: middle-class kind of bloke, you know? <laughs> like, I'm
2: like um, all of those things that I kind of once balked
1: at, yeah, which yeah. is funny. You mentioned... Um uh, what was I going to say? Oh, gosh, now I just completely forgot the question. Oh, not realising that, like, it's like that that kind of universal church kind of thing. I was going to ask you, you, both you guys, is that something, I, I think that's something that I didn't realise until later as well, becoming Christian. Do you think that's something that we, like, we didn't grow up in Christian families?
0: Mm. Yeah, I think I had a very narrow view of what, like, I resonate with Lee in terms of, like, not connecting the church was something distant, or it was something very uh, small, and I didn't really connect that with gospel ministry. That was mm. like you go to church, like you go to Miranda Fair, like you go to, like you go to a sport game. Like the the people who go to church are the are the people who belong to that church. Like I didn't really think of it as like a missional mm. kind of, thing. and
1: it's a spiritual thing too. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And I think it took a little bit of time for me to figure out what that the role. Well, that role of how, that, how a church can work in a community, especially.
1: Yeah, I think um, I agree. And I, I reckon maybe because we come from like individualistic or this society and culture saying like it's an individualistic background. Yeah. And then, oh, you go to church. And I reckon the first maybe 10 years of me being a Christian was like just about me a lot yeah. of the time. Like yeah. what I, co- I was getting out of it. And I didn't maybe sometimes miss the piece of we've, something we even talked about at planning day last week was when you step into serving Mm. It just completely, it really gets more into that realm of what you are talking about, Lee, of mm. being part of the universal church, whether you're in like your local church or the, like, the worldwide church, you're like, you're doing something spiritual together. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the thing that I missed. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and, you know I mean? Like, I, I agree. I think we're profoundly individualistic. <laughs> I think we're consumeristic, even if we don't think we are. And it doesn't matter if you're a boomer. <laughs> or, or like a Gen Z or whatever. Yeah. I think that, that that's that that's true, mm-hmm. and um and and the other the other thing is too. We're as Australians, we're we're extremely sceptical of the institution. Oh, yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And, and that's increasingly becoming more so. So it, so I, I think when you're younger. You're more sceptical of the institution and, yeah. uh, and and authority figures and whatever as well, but uh, but yeah, the spiritual reality. Uh, I think we get confused by local, like universal church language. Yeah, the spiritual church and and the local church mm. uh, as well. But so that confusion. It's not something that people can articulate, but yeah. we see it playing out week in and week out because we tend to undervalue the local church. Mm. Uh, I think that contributes to a lot of church hopping and things that we mm. th- that we see because we go, well, well, it's just all one big church. And it kind mm. of is, yeah. but every time, pretty much, bar a couple in the New Testament, it's talking about the local church. Yeah, That is yeah, the main right. place where um, all of those spiritualities play mm. out, really. Mm. And uh, you, you, know, you only got to talk to somebody who's had bad experiences at church
3: mm.
2: to know that there's something much bigger going on than just something that you consume, right? That's because right, when they yeah. when they get hurt, that yeah. that hurt is deep and it's real. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and although that sounds strange to go to a negative there, yeah. but I think the reason why that's so hard for people is that there's so much more going on than just pulling up for a Sunday. Yeah. I, agree, um, I completely yeah. agree with you. Yeah.
0: And, and like on the flip side of that, like, coming into a church and only knowing the institution from the outside the thing that struck me first was the people yeah like being like oh wow it's people here (laughs) and they and they're great like and that really struck i I really resonate with what you're saying there lee is that that's what struck me first was coming from that outside perspective of viewing church only as an institution and not really sure about what it was but then walking in and meeting people first and you're like oh wow like
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people have been transformed by the gospel. Is yeah, what makes absolutely. a big difference, isn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah 100%, 100%. And and I, I think that the, the thing that, that I got actually when I was at Engadine Congregational Church was a real sense of, like, this is something that Australians, I think, do particularly well. We're a lot more relaxed around this whole church thing mm. compared mm. to many other countries in, in the world. It's not as formal. It's yeah. not as formal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. a little bit more of a come as you are kind of approach Um, there's a little bit more realism around um, uh, who we are and what we're doing together but I I think that because of that the flip side is that we undervalue what happens when we gather together on a Sunday or when we gather together in a small group Um, I I think we just we miss actually the spiritual reality of what's going on because it's a beautiful thing like we're we, we don't just rock up we're a family we're a group of you know what I mean, soul revival like friends language. Yeah. Uh, I I like family language. But the reality is, when we gather together, and when we go to a local church, we're covenanting yeah. together. There's something profound in that that reflects Christ's relationship with the church, and so yeah it's really deep yeah um and important i mm. think for god's mission in the world yeah we're going away off on peace, aren't we or oh that's no. right. It's 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 right off, off peace. It's uh, <laughs> fun yeah
1: uh, it was fun we'll to talk, talk an ecclesi- about that ecclesiology podcast yeah. Yeah. yeah well it's probably a good point so maybe we can return to your story because so I, as i said i listened to your last episode again mm. or was it the first time i'd listened to it actually i'd been on it <laughs> but um because we kind of went through a whole time of make coming all the way up to australia so if you haven't heard lee's podcast like life story prior to that go to go to part one which is um the only one in the room is what we titled it because that was something you said when you're at a funeral i think that's when you became a christian you felt like god was only speaking to you yeah it was that was the first time when i was in church so yeah, it was uh, it yeah. was the
2: start of that journey yeah, yeah. there was
1: yeah so this is the only one in the room part two and so by now you're in australia and we talked about how Started going to church and became a youth youth pastor. Mm, mm. And then uh we talked about your family. And one thing that I wanted to just bring up, just um your youngest Ava. I feel like just by her hair, she looks like she's from Frozen, like in the Frozen movie. <laughs> 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 Every time I see her, I think, oh, it looks like Elsa. Yeah. No, <laughs> no is it Elsa? Yeah, she looks like Elsa because she's got the blonde hair. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And does she ever get comments about that? Yeah, a little bit. But she you know, I mean, she used to love dressing up as Elsa. <laughs> oh, <I laughs> but that, was, yeah. she's now just She's now just a little bit too old for that. You oh, know, really? Yeah. Oh, I see. It's not cool to watch Frozen anymore. Ah, because she has a, she has beautiful hair, but yeah. also have also talked about like how hard it is to brush, yeah. like <laughs> se- like semi curly hair. Because <laughs> my my Remy, my daughter's the same. What was the br- you had to remind me though? What's Tidal the brush teaser? I feel like we ah. need to find one. Oh, I for look forward me. to that. Yeah, Just grow a long beard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll have anyway, a Z- when you have a ZZ top beard. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 How does that work though? <laughs> <laughs> what like how is this brush different? Oh, do I, I, I don't know
2: why. I think just the unique placement <laughs> of the brush. Brushiness.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what are they called?
0: The, the um, what,
2: what, are, what are the spiky bits? What are they? Yeah, I think in, in
0: a comb. It's teeth. Oh, okay. teeth I don't know yeah. if about ah, brush. Well, let's Bristle? just go with, te- let's just go with teeth.
2: Yeah. There's different yeah. sized teeth. And, uh, yeah. and so it grabs more of the hair. Oh, and different see, that's bits of the interesting. Catherine mm. would be able to tell you more because oh, okay. she's we'll the have person to get who... Cathra back from a couple of hours, you yeah. know, like, like Re- on researching uh, brushing hair. Yeah. Yeah. No, no,
1: no. Just some brushing hair. Oh, yeah. I totally yeah. when I brush so. Remy's hair, it's just like... And yeah. she screams at me because it hurts so much. I'm yeah. like, I'm not even trying to hurt you. But yeah. um, yeah, cool. That's good. Well, I just wanted to make that connection. So I know that you mentioned on the last episode that... Mark Driscoll came to Australia, yeah, and he talked a lot about uh, church planning, mm. and that was for some people hearing that was like completely, almost like a new concept. Yeah, yeah, and that was something that you felt a calling to. So what, like, what did you do after that hearing? Yeah. Hearing, did you go see Driscoll live? Is that where? Yeah, yeah, I went to. Um,
2: I, I think it was in 2010. It was around and there, and at St Andrew's Cathedral it yeah. was. Uh, it was uh, it was maybe even a co branded event with MTS. I'm not sure, but but that's when he delivered like this 18 yeah, point was, thesis. Uh, it went pretty hard, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. And, and we'll we'll not go into that. There yeah. was there was a whole uh, ruckus that happened afterwards. <laughs> yeah. But um, but but I think for me, it wasn't like, like it wasn't the rock star thing. It wasn't the 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 rebel thing. Um, or the reluctance thing, like like in terms of me being reluctant to work in a church. By that stage, I'd already been working in church. God already opened up my eyes to mm-hmm. his place for the church in the mission. But I was still thinking through and trying to reconcile some of my experience um, growing, growing up, okay. I, and uh, particularly as a young Christian. And that was that often as churches and Christians, we really championed, mission going overseas and people contextualizing trying new things doing whatever it took to seek and save the lost in India or whatever it was but when it came to mission across the street Mm -hmm. whether it be in Ireland or in Australia we we weren't really thinking about that so much we weren't really looking to go how do we the church do that better now that's that's not universally true of every church and every context but in general that's what I felt and i just felt like god had gifted me with a passion for that like like evangelism mission that kind of thing and, uh, and and i just couldn't reconcile how we do that i thought that maybe church might have been a bit anti-mission and uh and, and how, what would that look like i could have done youth ministry for the rest of my time mm-hmm. that would have been a like like that would be an honorable very very worthwhile thing mm-hmm. um i'm all on for people doing long-term youth ministry but as soon as I heard Driscoll talking missionly about the church, yeah. so it doesn't really matter what he said per se, the penny just dropped. Mm. Yeah, What I said before in terms of, like, like in Peter, that the priesthood, or like the royal priesthood, are to be the people that proclaim and present Jesus, that just dropped for me when mm. I heard Driscoll talking and went, okay, maybe, maybe with the passion and the gifts that God's wired with me, I could see myself kind of doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the following year or a number of months after that, I went to a Geneva Push, which is now Reach Australia yeah. conference down in Melbourne. And it, w- it had a terrible name back <laughs> then. It was in the very, very early days. It was yeah. called In the Shoot. C-H-U-T-E shoot, you know, like ready to play. Ah, okay, or yeah. Like probably the money shoot that you yeah. used to have in the old school kind of places. Yeah. In the shoot, terrible, terrible name. Yeah, I'd rather like in the canon or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah oh, there, the there could be all sorts yeah. of different <laughs> ways that you could put that, couldn't you? Yeah. Um, but, um, but, but at that conference, there were these three blokes that I've since discovered that were all called Dave. Uh, that were <laughs> three Deves. The three Daves yeah, The, the, the Daves, um Daves. who were on stage talking about Churches that they had planted mm-hmm. And they were all bawling their eyes out They became affectionately known as The Wailing days. <laughs> and, uh, actually, Dave And actually Dave Any one of those Dave's I've got no idea who you are But if you end up listening to this I'd love you to get in contact Because I actually don't know Who these blokes were mm-hmm. um, But what I heard in the way that they spoke Was that they had a deep conviction for the lost mm-hmm. They appeared to be people and, and I think that it's true Who were Gifted, they had grit. They had a tenacity, um, and they were trying new things for the gospel, and they were just wearing their heart on their sleeve in terms of how hard it was. Yeah, and that was the moment that I felt that God was calling me to plant a church it was kind of like oh yeah look at the pain that those guys are in (laughs) Uh, that's for you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, off off you go and and I didn't you know like like, uh, that was the very very early stages of Geneva Push Mm. and uh, they had an assessment process so I just got in contact with them I wasn't really thinking hugely seriously about it I just went that that just seems to be something that's on the radar. Yeah. And I, I chatted to Kathra, I remember coming back and uh, talking to Kathra about this thing called church planting. And and she was like, hey, hang on a minute, like I've got no idea what that is and uh, I don't think I'm there uh, with you, uh, which was which was cool. That's what I love about Kathra. And um, she's very real on those things and, and helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over time, um, so that would have been 2011, that conference. And uh, I had already decided by that point that I wanted to go on and go to more college, finish doing more study, mm. and uh, but not really knowing what I would do after mm. that. I continued to work as a youth and young adults pastor at that point in time, and uh, but basically over that period of time, uh, Geneva started assessing that like they, they were already assessing people for church yeah. planting and we just went right okay well part of the discernment process mm. in that is you know like chatting to our church obviously and the people that god has put in leadership around us and uh, and then chatting to geneva push mm. so in 2013 we got assessed by geneva push which was basically Oh, it was like stripping, like, like metaphorically, like, <laughs> like going for that really awkward medical where you know, yeah. you're know you kind of being poked yeah. and prodded in all of the places. I remember you don't Catherine be poked said, yeah. she said the same thing
1: on my yeah. podcast. Yep. Okay. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So looking into your marriage, looking into mm. you know your besetting sins, like, like all of these things, because they love you and they don't want you to damage your faith your mm. family or actually the the gospel yeah. you know yeah. as, you, as you go out uh, there so that was quite an intense thing but it was actually a really good thing mm. and um and through that process then they you know that they kind of affirmed that that this would be something that would be a good thing for us to mm. uh keep on pushing into and considering and uh, and at that point we had started talking to the group of churches that we were part of the congregational churches and um we, we weren't sure who we were going to plant with Mostly at that time people were doing parachute plants There wasn't yeah. much mother-daughter th- There was mother-daughter planting that was happening Yeah, uh, But we didn't really put that into this realm of church planting yeah. um, A lot of the people that were planting were doing parachute planting Which is basically going somewhere, dropping in with nothing yeah. and uh, With a hope and a prayer really and yeah. a plan And, and yeah. uh, building it from there so, but we were trying to work out who do we connect with. Like, we, I had lots of connections with the Anglican, like Sydney Anglican churches. We were considered whether or not we would plant there. But through a series of conversations, uh, God um, helped us to see uh, that, that maybe um, as part of this group of churches that we were part of, that was relatively small, yeah. that God might use us to help see more churches planted and churches rejuvenated and and you know i think it's great that we've got anglican churches we've got baptist church, like you know churches yeah. that are preaching the gospel yeah. I, I think that's good because they reach different people yeah absolutely. so we decided not to jump into a big ship or yeah. whatever but to actually be part of the existing network that we were part of and and plant um and uh, but initially we thought we were going to plant in manly oh, oh yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, not because it's a nice place. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I way prefer Cronulla than Manly. Nah. Um, sorry, yeah. uh, Northern Beaches people. Yeah. Um, the South is the most underrated kind of area in Sydney, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, because we were looking and we started to go right. Okay, God, where where would we go? We actually opened up the map of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and we are willing. To, we're willing to plant anywhere. Uh, we probably thought we would be planting somewhere that was lower socioeconomic and more multicultural. Mm. Uh, But one of the distinctives or the things that we were as a couple was that we were expats. Yeah, and we went right. Okay, not not that you pin everything on that. Yeah, but but in those early stages, we just went right. Okay, who are the people that we seem to be connecting with most, having the most gospel conversations with, and whatever, mm. um, and uh, and and that's why we started thinking about Manly, Bondi, places like that, yeah. and going right. Okay, there's lots of expats here, yeah, and we might have an inroad that mm. other people don't for yeah. the gospel, yeah, uh, and uh, we started exploring that, but it became um like. It was interesting. The more that we pushed into that, we even started going to a church up in Manly mm. and whatever as well, who were very generous with us at St. Matt's. Um, and, uh, but we realized through that, that they probably wouldn't be the places that we would plant. Mm. And one conversation in particular, like I w- remember telling uh, Toby Neal, who's the lead pastor at Vine Church in at mm. Surrey Hills and friend, friend of mine, and uh, I'm kind of talking through some of this stuff with him. He had already planted, and I was like going, "Yeah, we're kind of like looking at Manly. Here's the pl- like, like here's the plan mm. that, that I can kind of see in my head and whatever." Um, but in between that, I'm talking about all of the connections and mission connections and whatever that we already have in Cronulla, yeah. uh, where we had lived for the whole time. And he yeah. just looked at me and he said, "You're an idiot," <laughs> 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 and, uh, and it's like, like. Why aren't you thinking about planting in Cronulla? Yeah, and and in my head the the reason for that was we thought that maybe that would just be too easy. <laughs> like, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad that you laughed at that, right? Because we it's like away. the
0: three dudes crying on the stage about chess playing. It's like, oh, we don't want to take the easy option. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. It was, it was like, yeah, but
2: but like. This is the beach? It's sunny. Like yeah, it's beautiful yeah. here, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and we kind of just thought, oh yeah, we need to kind of drop into the hardest place, and we would have been willing to do that. Yeah. Uh, the reality is, Cronulla, the Shire, is a really hard place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the Bible Belt that we think it is. That we're no. deluded in in uh, believing. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So so through that conversation, then we started looking at, at the Shire. Mm. we went man, there's two hundred and thirty seven thousand people here, yeah, um I reckon around about two percent, let's say we you know we don't we don't need to argue over a few percent, but let's yeah. say two percent of people go to a Bible teaching church in the Shire., yeah. that's a lot of people who don't know Jesus yeah absolutely and um there are many great churches here, and so our motivation was not there's no good churches mm. or those churches are doing a bad job or whatever. it was just there is a huge mission field here yeah. and there's a whole group of people that we're struggling to reach. And uh, and, and I think that a, a new church might be best suited to reach those people and mm, to yeah. um, help see more people become Christians. So uh, so we landed at that point on planting
1: in Cronulla. Mm-hmm. And that was probably around about 2013, something okay. like that. Uh, need a question to ask you, and it's more just out of interest because at Soul Revival we learnt so many of the so many of the lessons we learned through youth ministry, we tried to implement in actually planning a, a, a full blown church. Is that? Did you have any thoughts around that? Because you were a youth and young adult pastor prior yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah,
2: hundred percent. Like, like I think that one of the things that youth ministry equips you to do, whether you like it or not, I think, is to be. Like, like you're always having to change and adjust and contextualize the gospel to the next generation. Mm. And, and they're uniquely different. So I think that inadvertently you think missionally about how to proclaim the gospel to them and how to reach those younger yeah. and emerging, emerging generations. I think that's your concept behind... I'm pointing sure. back here, the shock absorber. The, the yep. shock absorber. Yep. Uh, so yeah. I agree with Stu yep. on that, and, and with you guys on that. Um, so, so you're already thinking through how do we contextualize this? How do we, how, how do we take these profound truths and proclaim them in a mm. simple but non-simplistic way yeah. that brings about deep change for the gospel? Mm. And, and that's effectively what you have to do when you're reaching people who have never heard about Jesus before. Yeah, which we have them in the Shire. Right? Yes, like like. Reality check. That's yeah. true, yeah. Um, and uh, I, and and that's the way that you need to think when you're planting a church. So I think it does equip you. Uh, it doesn't equip you for everything because yeah. tr- uh, youth ministry is often part of a bigger. It's part of a bigger ecosystem that's going on within a church. Mm. So uh, there are things that it doesn't equip you for. But certainly that missional thinking, that having to be nimble and change mm. and contextualize the gospel. And then probably the last thing I think is that there's such a high turnover. in youth. We know in youth and kids ministry that we need leaders. Yeah. Yeah. So we build teams. And we build teams that are constantly changing. Mm. So we're constantly recruiting people, constantly uh, working out how to build teams. And a lot of churches don't have that as part of their culture yeah. um, in general. Uh, but to get a church plant up and off the ground, uh, especially a parachute church, actually any church, uh, you need you need people to be living out who they are mm. and doing that's the things that God has set aside in advance for them to do and, and serving. Yeah. That's That's a key part of our maturity but it's also a key part of growing mm. as a church so i mean i've kind of tied in a lot of stuff there but i yeah. think i think uh, how you deal with leaders and teams contextualizing the gospel mm. and thinking missionally those three things are really pertinent within church planting world yeah, absolutely and what we're doing here
1: did you have a willingness to experiment as well or is it more just like we we want to establish <laughs> establish something <laughs> yeah uh in, just in Crenola, we're like, we're gonna do whatever it takes. I, I, I had a willingness to experiment because
2: I, I think that the, um, the people that we were trying to reach, mm. uh, in, so so effe- effectively what we saw. i actually I'll just take a step back, mm. and what we saw was that within the Shire, that I you know there's two hundred and twenty odd thousand people who don't know Jesus. Mm. Uh, lots of churches many christians but even more people who know enough about jesus just to sidestep him you know like my mom's a catholic or i went to church when i was a kid mm-hmm. that kind of thing um the the question came how do we reach people who do the shire thing at least it used to be the shire thing to move to Cronulla, yeah and and that's where you established your friendships mm-hmm. established fun you know before moving to the inner west for a year to make sure that you were Cultured and people just moved <laughs> to Cronulla. Yeah, and uh, is that that's right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, so, you, so you move there to have fun, to be close to the beach. You house share. You're establishing yourself in your um, career, establishing mm-hmm. yourself in your relationships, and then you realise you can't establish yourself in the housing market, and you start moving away. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but but in that in that age group, we kind of looked and we just went, wow, these these people are in a prime. Uh, time mm. for asking big questions about yes, life yeah, yeah. and I just went you know like we want them to establish yeah, the life that they were made for mm. and the life that they were made for was that they were made for by Jesus and for Jesus mm. to have a relationship with him and we went how do we reach those people yeah uh, so that's why we went to Cronulla and not somewhere else yeah Um was because there was a higher proportion of those people um, I'm guessing that's where you got the the name of the church
1: as well established yeah that's right
2: mm-hmm. that's right so the the name established i actually wanted to call it established uh mm-hmm. because um it was coming out of paul's prayer uh for the ephesians in, in ephesians chapter three that you would be rooted and established in love mm-hmm, okay. um and uh established in that context like it's used 86 times in the bible and all mm-hmm. sorts. you know god established his world he established his king his kingdom and he will establish his forever kingdom that that's yeah. that's true in Christ um, but we had a vote on it, and, and I lost. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think, yeah, it was it was actually interesting. We had a whiteboard, and we had all sorts of names on there, and and uh, people went behind the whiteboard and kind of put a tick on the things yeah. that they liked, and then we revealed it like, oh, like Survivor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah <okay. laughs> The tribe has spoken. Yeah, right. Just like right. it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun, and, and actually, yeah. established was way better because it was it, it was that iterative, forward-moving kind of word. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's that's why we chose
0: there. Now, your original question. I can't remember, but I've got a different question. I if I you can you go in? I can't remember. <laughs> um, how, like, remember, we, uh, Soul Revival obviously planted um, with 30 people. How did you go about, you spoke about how, uh, the question was about youth ministry and how youth ministry yes. helped you, um, maybe those lessons that you learnt doing yes. youth ministry in yes. Ingedine, maybe helped you in planning. How did you go about building that launch team? Like, I'm interested yeah. in how that process was for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because we parachuted in, which meant that even though we came from the local area, even though uh, we were part of Angadine Congregational Church, it wasn't like we were being sent. Yeah. Uh, not that they were against what we were doing by any stretch. They, mm. they were that they commissioned us to go, um, yeah. but it wasn't like they said here and here take all of these yeah, people yeah, and yeah. Never with you. So we, uh, like, like the advice at that point in time was, you know, oh yeah, like, like, you know, start with about the same size as a home group, 10 to 15 mm. people. And I'm looking at that and going, I, I don't think that's right. And and there was a few of us, uh, like like a couple of people that were planting around about the same time, mm. and we were going that just doesn't feel right, and particularly in the Shire, um, I reckon a couple of the cultural things that I saw was one that uh, people were starting to get quite disgruntled at really big um expressions of church like yeah like. Yeah, we're consumeristic, but we also kind of thought there's this love-hate relationship mm. uh, w- with it. And, um, and and we had a bunch of churches, you know, like a, that have blown up over the years in the, mm. the Shire, sadly. And uh, and that has shaped the way that people think about stuff. We've also had a whole bunch of, we also have had a whole bunch of like house church type movements um, mm. that we're also really suspicious of because it's quite small. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and we, you know, so I was just looking at the Shire and going... Mm. I don't think starting with 10 to 15 people Is going to work to see new people coming into that group mm. And uh, yeah So we decided that we'd go for 30 people Like yeah. you know we just plucked a figure <laughs> A couple of other of my mates were like Oh yeah 50 um, We ended up with 17 people pre-launch And or, and, or originally And then by and then 27 people just before we did our public launch in September 2015. How did I go about um, gathering yeah. those people? I, I I was sharing the vision um, of this in a conversation with a couple of people and James Warren, uh, who's the rector at Angadine, actually said to me, and, and I was so surprised by this because up until this point we had had a lot of opposition um, uh, from a... Our church network, and also from Christians, uh, kind of going. Why do we need another church in the Shire? Like, mm-hmm. like, like you know, everybody's Christian, and it's like <laughs> so, uh, that's <laughs> the one. very yeah. point, um, because you believe that everybody's Christian, <laughs> and it's just not true. Um, but there's good questions in that, right? And we can mm-hmm. come back to that if you want to. Um, but in in the in the midst of that, like. Like I was just sharing the vision and James Warren come up to me and he said, you're right, the Shire needs more churches and we need to be doing a heck of a lot more to reach more people. Um, I'd love for you to come and uh, share that vision with our church and you can take whoever you want and uh, whatever money they want to give you. Wow. And I was just like, whoa, here mm-hmm. is here is a guy we've, we've not known each other for that long mm-hmm. and um, just committed to the gospel vision yeah, and seeing yeah. things through the lens of the gospel mm-hmm. and uh, he allowed me to come and talk wow, to this church awesome i and he also had a couple of people who uh he was like i think these people will be really good to go with you yeah um, so so that was so that was good so from uh from there we had our first two people so <laughs> yeah. a vision to reality and i just went oh, hoop like you know it's one thing it's one thing having a vision and it's one thing saying follow me but when people start following you it's like oh wow is this gonna work like (laughs) is it yeah you know like like what dreams and hopes are they have they got that are not you know, that's a lot of responsibility too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's right. But um, but from there, there, there was there was two people, and um, one of the things that we wanted to do very early on was be a church that trains and equips leaders because of that conviction that I had that if you want to see an army of Christians, you need loads of gospel leaders who are healthy, evangelistic, and multiplying. And um, so, how do we do that? we decided to take on an MTS apprentice right at the get-go. Yeah. Um, his name was James Eyre, and he was also from Engadine Anglican, although that was farther conversations um, from there. But as soon as those three people were on board, then they also recruited other people. Yeah. What we said was, and in that early stage, was that we, would, we wouldn't we would be like... The elephant in the room with church planting is it just changes the deck chairs in the Titanic, right? Yeah. That, that like like that's that's a, a very real problem. Yeah. That we start a church, that we just get people yeah. flooding from it's just
0: trans, transfer growth rather than um, yeah non Christians. That, that's that, that's
2: yeah. right. So we had a commitment that we would that we, we would ask people to come and be on mission with us from other churches up until. The point that we launched, yeah, and uh, but but the, but we would actually ask their pastors. We would say, "Are you willing to see this happening for
1: the sake yeah. of the gospel?" Yeah, yeah, you've got um, to be careful around that. I feel.
2: Yeah, 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 and and I, I like I you know I mean I'm sure that I didn't do it perfectly, but I, I was very conscious of that and tried to mm. work quite hard on that. But from from there, really, it was just a matter of going, you know, like who are the people that you think might be interested. I would have lots of coffees with people. Um, Mitch and Jasmine Dunn. I don't know if you guys know them, but uh, they were part of our church for a long time. They had just got married. And married, married, yeah, married. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> so, so th- th- this is a concrete example of the, yeah. the kind of people. So, they had come from two different churches. They were in a transition stage. They had just got married, and they were like, "What church will we go and be mm. part of?" And so I'm like, "Let's meet for coffee." And uh, and I met them for a, for a coffee and convinced them to come and be part of yeah. this church plan. Yeah. Uh, so it was lots of coffees, lots of sharing of the vision, yeah, lots of yeah. uh, talking about uh, that. So yeah. that's how yeah. we got people on the team.
0: We spoke. A, we spoke a little bit about maybe the challenge, well, the challenges of church planning, mm-hmm. but also I think starting something. There's always a lot of excitement and joy. Hundred uh, percent. Like, is there any examples or things you can think about that time of just joy and excitement yeah. and getting ready to start things? Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: everything (laughs) i I, like like as in i i loved being like 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 i loved doing what what we did Um, yeah i yeah there were hard moments there were discouragements there were challenges but but i had joy the whole way throughout that you know like i I loved being the lead pastor of established i loved thinking through that but loved even more so seeing a bunch of people living out who they are in christ yeah and, and working that out not perfectly but working that out and being courageous mm-hmm. so, uh, so so just so that was really cool yeah. that that was really full of joy but i think probably there's a couple of things that stick out in my mind one was um you, you know we, we had this group of around about 17 people uh one of them had actually just become a christian like like yeah. like she started coming along and uh wasn't yet a christian and we we're like oh right okay well i suppose that's exactly what we're trying to do yeah. and she became a christian that was that was joyful yeah because it was like yeah god god is moving he is he is doing something here um but we sent them out one day to basically go and uh do like walk up not that yeah. i'm suggesting that that is a you know, like a strategy that works or whatever. Now I think God uses it, but um, but to do walk up and basically ask people in Cronulla some key questions yeah. uh, about church, Jesus, etc., yeah. and uh, and everybody they were all pretty nervous about about doing that. Yeah. But when they came back, they came back pumped. You know, yeah. like going, oh, okay, like like people do want to talk to us, and yeah. and um, and and that just really set the trajectory of going this is who we are mm. and because we want to see people come to know Jesus and grow to be more like Jesus then we need to work out different ways that we can do that ways that's maybe different to what we've experienced before in local churches Yeah, whatever. absolutely. So, so that was cool uh, one of the other things that brought me a lot of joy was that we uh, wrote and ran this uh, evangelistic course that w- we called Life um, or Establish Life. And uh, we did that in a third space. Yeah, You, you guys are familiar with that language. We, we yeah. did that in a third space, um, in a coffee shop, in a beer hall, uh, <laughs> w- w- wherever we could go um, yeah. as a way of helping people who would never walk into church before explore life's big questions. Mm. And we basically just said... We reckon that Jesus gives answers to life's big questions, mm. and we want you to come and engage with us on it. And I remember one night uh, we were doing it at a coffee shop just in Monroe Park, there just across from the train station, mm. and uh, and we had we, we, we had like people just come walking in off the street. We had a Muslim imam come in, and that, like a Muslim imam just walking past, and he, <laughs> he came in and, and, and was engaging with us, and all of these people coming in. And for the first time, a lot of people in our church went, wow, people are actually asking questions, mm. and Jesus does have answers to those questions. Mm. Um, that, that was a lot of joy. I loved doing that. We ran it three times a year yeah. consistently. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was joyful. That's awesome. Very much well.
1: like you know, the, you've talked about your heart for mission. That's yeah. very much like being mission in that, in that respect.
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and I feel like we hit a bit of a sweet spot with it as well in that, um, you know, like, like I, really the way that the night kind of went was that we'd have lots of, we'd have tables mm-hmm. and uh, there'd be one or two Christians at the table and they, they would effectively be table talkers. Their, their job wasn't to answer questions or do that whole Christian thing where we jump in and want to try to download absolutely everything. Yeah. Their job was just really to get to know people. Do, mm-hmm. um, similar to here, Friendship evangelism um, but also to help them feel permission to ask questions and I do like there'd be some questions around the table I'd do a 15 minute presentation but the posture of that was I'm I'm not here to give you a smackdown argument <laughs> about Christianity. Yeah. But I want you to ask questions and we think that Jesus has got credible answers. So mm. let's engage on this together and then and then at the end there'd be like 30 minutes of just Q&A stuff and uh it it was it was awesome. We we had probably 300 odd people through that over the years. Um uh, some of them became Christians during that, or started going to church afterwards yeah. because they went, ah, actually there might be something in this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, so it was a lot of joy. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, just quickly, what lo- what location did you plan in? Uh, yeah, so we well
2: we, we planted we planted in Cronulla. Yeah, mm. um, you're you talking about like buildings. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so so one of the one of the problems was there were no buildings. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, looked everywhere. I'm I'm like going into all of the real estate agents looking etc um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. The only place that we could get originally at first, which is a bit controversial, and I'm not sure if I would do it again necessarily but there was an old masonic hall mm-hmm. and uh, lots of people would get hang-ups about that for me i just went god owns absolutely everything yeah. and uh, and if he wants us to use a hall that has maybe been used for other purposes <laughs> for the sake of the gospel then we'll then we'll do that That the one on the king's way uh, yeah just yep. on the king's way yep. there so we started meeting there um on sundays at, at four o'clock uh, by the time we hit our first birthday we had already kind of partly outgrown that space we started to realize that there were some people that maybe we weren't reaching because that was a barrier yeah and it wasn't heaps good for kids space and all of that kind of stuff yeah uh, so thomas um, schmidt the baptist pastor in cronulla um he was very generous and allowed us to use his building for our birthday because yeah. we just ended up having too many people say that they yeah. were going to come along and uh, we went there and then we went Man, this would be awesome to meet here yeah. every week, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he and their church was generous enough to let us meet there. So we met at Cronulla Baptist Church uh, up until kind of midway through COVID, and that's that's yeah. where we we had
0: church. Yeah, yeah. awesome.
1: So, because um, you're now coming to Soroval Bible Church, yeah. Uh, just before we get to the, like what happened with established what's like over those four years from 2015 until kind of winding it up. What was like the high, like the number one highlight that you can remember?
2: Oh, number one. There's too many
1: <laughs> <laughs> to put into I number one. I thought they might make no, it I, up.
2: I think um, watching how God uses everyday Christians and the whole body Mm. to help somebody come to know him and put their trust in him mm. and I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one example um, a, a girl called Leah uh, she was from New Zealand had never been to church before but for some reason was driving up and down I can't remember exactly why driving up and down the east coast of New Zealand where she lived and the only station that she could tune into was a Christian radio station <laughs> okay. and, uh, and 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 she just started hearing some things that was like, ah, oh, putting, you know, putting at least a bit of intrigue um, on that. She moves to Australia to work for New South Wales government and uh, just makes, uh, basically kind of makes a little bit of friendship with a couple in our in our church. She came along to our summer mission thing that we called Cronulla Life, uh, which is really just was our way of helping connect, uh, like, Christians with the community, um, a community with church so that we can connect them with Christ. Um, And uh, it was a lot of low-level kind of evangelism, really, just to uh, connect with people who would never come in the doors of church. And and she came along to that and met a lot of Christians. And she went,
3: oh, yeah,
2: Christians are not kind of really what I thought they were. Um, And started, then she came along to our life course as well and and uh, and she asked tough questions you know <laughs> like, like 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 she was a switched on girl and um, very intelligent and uh and she started coming along to that then started coming along to church then um for all of those things that we had kind of put in place one of the key things actually that like the moment when she became a christian was we did communion at church
3: mm.
2: and the God used that, the penny dropped for her, that Christ died for her, that, yeah. that, that he sacrificed his life uh, for her. And, and, uh, but, but when she told her story, uh, you couldn't put it down to any one thing. Yeah. or any one person. Um, really, that journey that she had be, been on, it was actually the whole church. It was people getting alongside her, loving her, not turning away from her questions, um, showing love, uh, helping her to belong, all of that stuff. And, and you know, when church does that well, that is just a beautiful, yeah. beautiful thing. Um, so it's stories like that, that mm. I think, and, and we had we have, by God's grace, quite a lot of those um, over, over the time. And, uh, yeah, like, um, sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional okay. uh, on that. Like, I think that, like, you know, people, people in the shire, we look at them, don't we? And, and we don't look at them through the lens of the gospel. We see happy, healthy, shiny, perfect people, kind of. We know that they're not. But there's not much room for Jesus in that picture, is there? Mm-hmm. But, but the, the people that we're talking about, like the thing that gives me, I suppose, wind in my sail is, is that, that we have got the news, the good news of the gospel and eternal life, and there are people out there who are going to hell without Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is the reality. Um, so to see church and churches and Christians working out, even imperfectly, How to do that well and how to do that better and trust in god and that that is you know like that's gold um
1: and it's also like to pick up on what you're saying and it's what i've learned through doing this podcast is just like how god just works through every individual he calls to him yeah in different like so many different ways and in different lives um like with this episode 101 every person's story has been different yeah like every single story has been different from us originally starting this podcast mm. up into the second part of yours yeah. it's just they're all different and so we're all like uniquely created but all for the same purpose Yeah, and God's working through those people and that it's um, I think I, like in the last few years I've become more aware of what you're saying as well is that mm. like God is just at work amongst that local church community the whole the whole mm. world church <laughs> whatever you want to call it but I think I was a bit blind to that previously and that's something we kind of started the podcast talking yeah, about was that yeah. that kind of thing. So I'm well, conscious of time as well hmm. because obviously um, establish isn't a church anymore. Yeah. Do you know yeah, want to yeah. tell us about tell us about that, tell your side of the story? Because I've heard Catherine's, has been it probably be yeah. similar to yours.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like I, th- I think that, you know, like it's there's obviously such a multifaceted uh, thing, mm. um, but one of the w- w- one of the, one of the things that was really interesting in in the journey of established, like we we grew we saw gospel fruit, uh, many many good things uh, actually uh, happening, and uh, and we're really thankful to God uh, for that. Like um, around about twenty eighteen, the end of twenty eighteen, beginning of twenty nineteen, because we were choosing or we had kind of. Zeroed in on a particular generation of people Not because we wanted to be Just that generation of people By the way We, we actually were, Had a vision of being All age, all stage uh, To some degree We weren't expressing it In the way that you guys are mm-hmm. At this moment But, but we, we were working towards that like we had a gospel community in our home that often had eight kids in it you know (laughs) like like at least once in a time and it was messy and beautiful and all of that kind of stuff but um i but but because we were we we were reaching a lot of people and a lot of people on our team were under the age of 25 uh, they had just hit at the same time um a point in their life where they went oh we can't afford to live here anymore mm-hmm. and 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 you know they're working out the price of bread and and uh, and, and life and kind of thinking about the future and having kids and mm. and a bunch of them had just got married and all of that kind of stuff and and we just had this this uh, exodus of people mm. and and none of it was bad leaving you know mm. like it was people moving down to the south moving up the north but it all seemed to happen around about the same time right, right. Yeah. And, uh, and and we anticipated that that would have happened but the challenge of that was it was all of the people that we had, or, or a lot of the people who we had equipped and were, yeah. were doing some pretty amazing things at, at Establish. Mm. And, and we were okay with the concept of sending people. That's partly what we wanted to do. But that all happened around about the same time. And, uh, and, and I, remember, I, I remember in that season kind of going, right, okay, who's next um, <laughs> in, in terms of that? And that took us around from around about, you know, we, we were around about like 80 uh, five ninety, something like that. Like people, God had grown us to um, a decent number of people had become Christians. We had, yeah, like seventy percent of people were were in teams. Eighty percent of people were in gospel communities. There were a lot of healthy indicators yeah. of deep yeah, gospel good. growth. Yeah. Um, many things we weren't doing right, but uh, <laughs> but but then that happened, and we started going right. Okay, who's next? Yeah. In our vision planning thing in 2019, we went, okay, hey, we feel like we know what we need to do Mm. this stage, this next kind of stage to help us get over that hurdle. Because what had happened was we had dropped down to around about 70. And when you're 70 people, particularly in a place like the Shire, you need to be able to resource all of the key ministries Mm. that... You know that, that will reach those people and grow christians and whatever and that's hard when you're at 70 people mm. like resourcing that is really difficult um so we went right okay we know what to do and we started working towards that we started to see uh new people joining uh people have become christians and then covid hit yeah. and uh, and and that and what that did was at the beginning of 2020 we had around about 20 people who had been engaging with us and considering being part of established, they'd moved new to the area, were exploring Jesus, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, they completely dropped off the radar because mm. once we hit like March, we, we, we couldn't really follow them up in the yeah. same way. And they didn't have any real deep relational kind of contacts. Yeah. Um, so, so so that next kind of thing that hit was, was COVID. And we transcended that really quite well in, in many ways, uh, but we were, we were small and that meant that resourcing was really quite hard. And in particular, we weren't able to push into having people who would lead leaders. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that meant that when we got to the end of 2020, uh, everything had all centred around the three staff uh, that were there and we had to go, how are we going to build again from here? not just for the sake of growing a church, right? Yeah. But because we believe in Ephesians 4.11, we believe that that people have got things that they're to do, that part of being a Christian is serving, mm. and that our job is to help equip the saints, not just to do, we don't do everything. Yeah. That's that's actually unhealthy for the church. Um, so because of that conviction, we went, right, okay, what do we need to do? Uh, we started doing that, then 2021 happened, and, <laughs> and uh, that seemed to hit, I think Australians way worse than 2020 and yeah. um, people were already quite exhausted by then lots of people um, had jobs that, that were impacted um, yeah. all of that kind of stuff fast forward to the end of 2021 and uh, we were maybe around about 50 kind of adults something like that we had still seen people become Christians we had regular mission contacts um, and uh, and I remember at our vision weekend going right okay the last three four years there's always been something that has uh, you know that has kind of disrupted our plans what's it going to be this time and literally that night I got a phone call about my mum uh, who uh, had then since discovered that her cancer was inoperable mm. and uh, you know, like I, I was yeah, on, on the phone with her. We continued to do our weekend, you know, and went right, okay. If we're gonna see establish uh, flourishing and getting to the point of sustainability uh, where we can be a church that's gonna keep on training leaders, church planting, doing all of that stuff, uh, then we actually need the leaders that we've currently got in place, like as in the paid staff, because they'll be the people that will raise up more leaders, mm. uh, but by that point we were kind of a bit overstaffed, and we had to take a we, we had to take a risk on um, like a gospel measured gospel risk on resourcing going ahead with with uh, two point one staff members. Now that's very technical. Sorry about that, but uh, but but that was a very very key decision that we made. We just didn't know at that point that I was going to have to end up going over to Ireland. Uh, which we did on the 15th of December. We didn't know that Omicron was gonna hit exactly the same time as that. And that wiped out all of that mission flow that we had at the beginning of the year. It, it, it wiped people out um, a emotionally in, in a whole bunch of different ways. And we thought we were gonna be in Ireland for six weeks. We ended up being there for nearly six months. Um, and that was really, really tough for our church in that moment it was really really tough uh, to work that out and that wasn't the reason that we ended up having to close uh but it certainly was a really difficult moment for our church omicron had hit people were tired uh we we, we were struggling to do any of the things that that the things that we needed to do to reach uh, the people that we were on about and we didn't want to just not do that you know what i mean like we we started because people needed to be reached for the gospel and then we also discovered that a lot of the people who used to join our church at the beginning of the year would be from new areas moving in uh that that what we saw was post-COVID people wanted comfort. They wanted, and, and I'm not saying that pejoratively, but they they wanted everything in place. Yeah. Uh, they they wanted like like they had just been through a war, you know, effectively, um, and uh, they wanted a bit more comfort. And we couldn't offer that. We couldn't yeah. offer kids youth ministry the whole way through, and yeah. and say we, we were saying, "Hey, come and help us build it." Mm-hmm. So we 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 just couldn't have confidence, um, to that that we would see that growth happening the way that it normally was happening. We also also were looking at our church family and going, people are tired, they don't Mm -hmm. have the same resilience as what they had at the start, we don't have that startup momentum. And the big fear was, and and this is really, really hard because there's nothing in the Bible about this, right, in terms of what are the markers and indicators of closing a church, Um, but the real big fear was that we would go, oh, yeah, let's run to next year. Let's let's give it a red-hot crack, throw everything at it. Mm. Um, that, that could have actually burnt people out and blown up what we were doing. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, like, like there's going to be all sorts of times in church life where people do burn out or whatever. We need to do hard things for the gospel, but we need to be living sacrifices, not dead ones. Yeah. And, uh, and But I looked at that and went, this is, you know, like the Shire doesn't need another church bust up or blow up. We don't need these people who God has grown to become disgruntled with the mission. That would actually be counterproductive to that bigger vision that we had. And, uh, and, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle of this, but we basically looked at it and went, we think that the best thing um, for the gospel is that we commission our church to... Uh, go out and be part of other churches And take that DNA, I suppose Or that heart conviction that they had of mission um, In that place And so that, that's why ultimately we decided like, like we just went We can't see finances getting better um, It's going to take another year or two Before we get momentum of, of mission and stuff back again uh, People are tired We want to love them uh, well uh, but the hardest thing about all of that is that this is your family. Yeah, it's a spiritual reality. It's not closing down an organisation or a club. Mm-hmm. Th- these are people who love Jesus, people who love each other, and uh, and we love them as well deeply. Um, so it was really really hard yeah. conclusion to come to. But yeah, but ultimately that's. You know, that's the broad brushstrokes. There was lots of yeah. things that happened in between that as well.
1: Well, I just appreciate the way you appreciate it, you're approaching it. Like, there's a lot of humility in the way that I think you're talking about it. And I think the question that I was going to ask you was, you know, you, you felt that God had called you to do it. Yeah. Um, was it a was it a bit of a blow to your identity as a church planner?
3: going
1: to do that <laughs> yeah yeah um, it,
2: it it could have been a bigger blow than what it was in, yeah in that's what, that's how i feel yeah. yeah yeah so one of my biggest fears one of my biggest fears is failure right i um, i impostor syndrome all of that kind of stuff and and when you put yourself out there and do something that's really hard uh, there's always a risk of failing right um but we need to we need to determine what failure looks like, and, and actually ask that from a gospel point of view. That's maybe for another podcast. We can <laughs> we can we can dig into that. But um, but for me, it wasn't so much about my identity per se, um, but it was more that, um, like, well, it was a little bit. I'll get to that in a second. It, it was. It was more that we had kind of called people to do this thing um, that we believed in, and uh, and and the the thought of disappointing people, um, the 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 impact that that could have had relationally on on people um, for the gospel, their souls, all of that kind of stuff. That was probably the biggest concern for me, and and I remember um, I, I remember when I was in Ireland. Um, I don't know if I told you guys this story on the last podcast or not. If I did, just just cut me short. <laughs> uh, but I, I I remember this moment where I'm lying in bed. So so I knew that Mum was gonna she she was gonna die. That was that was obvious. We had had to extend our trip um, uh, because we Mum got taken into hospital and we went, man, we can't not stay at this moment. You know, like she's only got a probably only got a couple of weeks to to live um all of that kind of stuff and uh when i i, I remember just lying in bed at night and i'm like bawling my eyes out uncontrollably deep hurt i i, I described it to Catherine like the holy spirit just taking hot knives and gouging out all of this stuff some of that was because of grief some of that was because of just trauma from the past all of that kind of thing but then along with it was just this deep profound sense that that um that, that I was letting people down and whatever by being there and uh, the only thing that stopped me from crying was Catherine scratching my back and feeding me Indian curry <laughs> at like 3am and uh, uh, you know but but that but that moment and then the moment that we finally said we feel like God is calling us to stay here, and we know the possible impact of that mm. at home. That was that was really hard, um, but we we couldn't have made any other decision. Like there's very few times in my life where it's been so clear yeah. what God wants us to do, and that was one of them. You're going to ask a question there? Or no. no. Just, um, so, yeah, so, so I think that was that, that was really difficult. My biggest concern over that whole period of time was just was, was people and our family. And, and once, once we got to the point where, like, M- mum had passed away, we came back, the big thing for me was just going, um, where, where's people's hearts? You know, forget about finances for a moment. That's really important. That is a gospel issue. Uh, but... Where are people's hearts at? Do, do they, do, you know, are they growing in Jesus? Are they wanting to continue kind of doing this thing? All, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, and I remember having a conversation with the leaders uh, at Establish and going, it looks like this is the only, that, like this is the best course of action. Mm-hmm. We, we could never have been 100% certain, but but you have to lead in those moments, right? Yeah, and trust yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, And that felt like, the exact same conversation that I had with my family around my mum's funeral. Mm. And, and that might be because there was a little bit of an overemphasis on you know what was going on at church, but I don't think it was. I think that was the weight of the fact that this is a spiritual reality, this is a family, yeah. these are people that we love mm-hmm. and whatever. So I, I do think that that was my biggest concern probably the fear about my identity came afterwards oh, uh, yeah. when it was like well what do I do next <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, and who's going to want to employ like who's going to want to employ me like as, as your pastor yeah and we'll you know close the church in a couple of years and I did have that bit of a moment of existential crisis I was burnt out I was mm-hmm. I was kind of uh, struggling from a lot of things um, that were from my past that came up whilst I was in Northern Ireland and I uh, God just came around me in that moment um, the whole way along he said to me, Lee I've got you, I've got your family here I've got your family at Establish and, and he did even though we closed right? he, he mm-hmm. did have people and and, uh, and and that just came very very clear to me and in particular uh, Romans 8, you're no longer a child of fear but you're a child of of God right that became so real to me as well as Paul saying that Christ's power is made complete in our weakness I I felt weak I couldn't I couldn't change the outcome in any of that Um, and so to be brought to a point where God humbles you where you don't just get to say I trust you and everything but you actually just experience it and have to that that will change the, has changed the trajectory of how I walk with Jesus, how I husband, father, um, pastor, plant, do mission, whatever it might be. Mm. Um, yeah, because it's true, God does have you. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think that that moment was really buffeted by that truth and by God's grace, speaking that um, into me, uh, really.
1: Many of those things that you've said, to, you said there make me think of like the gospel is regenerative too yeah. like you have to go through really difficult times at some point in your life and yeah sad, sad. I'm, I'm sad that established didn't keep going mm, but it mm. sound, I, i'm really encouraged by the way that you went in first and said you could you could have held on to it and go i want this to continue mm, mm, and mm, mm. i think there's a lot of humiliation saying maybe this isn't the right time for that but then knowing that God's gonna keep going. Yeah. Which yeah. is gonna help you keep going.
2: And, and and Joel, if I can just say in that as well, like you know I mean it's one thing talking about something retrospectively, right, in a context like this, you can't you can't get all of the colour mm-hmm. that yeah. goes on. But mm-hmm. um a I, I wasn't with the picture, yeah, yeah. On, on that uh, for a long time. But a deep conviction that I had was that um, I'm not I'm not the king. I'm not, you know, like we, yeah, we started established, but it wasn't really about me. Like like we yeah. handed on responsibility really, really early. And I always said that our team, which included Catherine, my wife, um, uh, Tim Foskett, uh, his his wife, Hope, and whatever. I said to them, look, if at any moment that you feel like God is going, nah, this is, we don't think we should continue this thing, then then I want to know. and. Mm. And uh, I want to hear that because God doesn't just work through me; yeah. He works through spirit His spirit filled leaders and, and people who are armed with the Word. And uh, and that was a deep conviction of mine. Uh, but I went away for a couple of weeks because I was a bit burnt out, and I came back raring to go and going, "Oh, I can see, I can strategize, I can, <laughs> you know, I, I can work this out, mm. right?" And uh, and we can trust God. Not, you know, we would have to do that profoundly. And and I came back and I said, "Hey guys, where where are you?" Um, what are you thinking and they're all going no we yeah. don't think that's the case and and i was that, that that floored me i i in a good way and it also was really really helpful um but but i i I had to fight with that, and, and I, I, yeah. I had to wrestle with that deeply. And even, even up until the moment when we were kind of communicating to establish, like we basically called our church to, um, to, to like a month of of praying and discerning, and and uh, we gave permissions. You know, we said, look, if you think that this is pushing and driving it too much, so we created a plan. We said, here's how we think we can get out of this, but to but to do that, we need to be able to do these things, um, and uh, and we spent a long time praying about that. When it got to the moment where it was, yeah, we can't see, you know, this thing going forward. Um, I got a call from somebody who said, "I'll give you pretty much the exact amount of money that was that we might have needed to journey that six months, eight months, right? Many other variables in that, and I just went." oh man, like this is what God does, right? Like he comes in at the last minute sometimes and and he provides and that really rocked me. That really, really rocked me because I, I said to Kathra, I don't think I can say with hand on heart that, we need to close because of money, because we've got this promise of money. We need to work out what are the other reasons that we would do and mm-hmm. and, and we just prayed through everybody, like we got the list of people out, we prayed, we pleaded with God, we we um we did that and, and in the end in, in the end it was Catherine you know, but God through Cathra, kinda helped me to then finally go, okay. This is what it is, and and actually come to accept that. Uh, So I just wanted to make that clear because it sounds like I'm this Uber kind of like humble, had it together kind of you Uh, you know like like, oh man, it was a bumpy ride. Yeah, it would have been, and uh, it was a lot of tough questions Mm. in that. Yeah. Yeah. you notice how I'm not really answering any of your questions directly. Oh, that's yeah. the point. So, um, that's yeah, maybe I should fine. get into politics. <laughs> 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 uh, I suppose it's just being a uh, uh,
1: worth coming to the end. Obviously, that we haven't asked the last question that we yeah. always ask, <laughs> which is, and I mean, there's so many things that you've shared, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, and over, if you can remember the last episode as well, mm. what do you know now as a Christian that you wish you knew when you were a younger Christian?
2: Yeah. Um. Can I do two things? Uh, I don't like sticking to the rules. Uh, (laughs) No. So so one, this is a pretty ruleless podcast. (laughs) (laughs) One, one thing is that um, if we want to grow to be more like Jesus, Mm. we have to grow deep, and to grow deep, we have to allow God to do some pretty deep work through His Spirit. in our lives, mm. deep recessed fears, the deep areas in our heart where the gospel just hasn't shone a light in, uh, the deep things that we don't tell people, and often, I think that happens through suffering and pain, mm. uh, where we learn big lessons on trusting God, and and I, I think that. We live in a culture where we try to avoid pain at all costs, yeah. whether that be low-level pain of of uh, joining a new church community yeah. and going through all like you know I mean this is what we're in at the moment right like it's been an awesome journey for us at, at Soul Revival this is our home week. we love it here, uh, but it takes commitment and hard work yeah. uh, to graft into another community you know mm. like but god God uses that right but then those bigger deeper moments so i prayed I, I like like in just before covid i i or no actually just before this stuff with like like mum um I was praying hey God help me to grow to be more like Jesus um i had this vision this sounds like i'm really a type i'm not really but i wanted to be more faithful fruiter fitter and fun in my 40s those <laughs> were my four kind of yeah. uh, goals and uh and how hey, god has done that through some pretty big things yeah. having to close down a church the potential of my identity being so wrapped up in that that that, that i maybe couldn't Continue doing ministry or whatever it might be. Um, so, so I, I think I wish that I would have known how God uses, as you grow older as a Christian, um, and all of the superficial stuff that the Spirit convicts you of. You know, like as you start to sort some of that stuff out, not always, uh, then I think that other growth is a deep growth. And you've got to have courage to, yeah. courage and trust, I think. Courage to face up to the things that God is putting before you When you hit up against your limits And those tough moments Those moments where you're just confronted by your sin But then a trust that actually You are not loved by God based on your performance But based on who you are in Him that, that, That's been the big thing that I've learned on this Because I couldn't do anything And that was okay um, Because I could trust God And that's what exactly what I needed to do Um, So that that's one thing. Um, The the other thing is that um, the gospel, like like, man, there are so there are twenty four million people in Australia lost Mm -hmm. outside of Jesus. People who haven't heard the gospel, they think they have. People in the Shire think they have heard the gospel, they 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 haven't. Many of them haven't. Um, and, And and I think that I wish I would have knowing how difficult it was to continually kind of live that out, you know, as you go through the different stages in life. But the thing that I've learned through this process is that, or through what God has done, is that actually failure. Failure is not, it's not a bad thing.
1: It's not uh, what we think it is, at least.
2: That's right. That's right. And, and uh, you know, like, like, I don't think established was a failure. We failed to achieve the plan that we wanted to achieve, 100%. Mm. But I don't think that was a failure in the gospel. Mm. What would have been a huge failure was that we stopped following Jesus, that our marriage broke up, that you know people were blowing up, uh, you yeah. know, like metaphorically. Um, but you know, like that—that that, by God's grace, that that wasn't the case. Mm. And it would also be a real failure, I think, if we pulled back from the mission. Uh, not that God needs me uniquely, but he's made me for that. Mm. Yep. He's 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 made me to be the person who proclaims and presents Jesus, you know, like, like in whatever way. Um, and that's for all Christians. That's not just for pastors. He has given us gifts to serve him on his mission. And that's a huge privilege. And we do that on the day of salvation, like Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians. You know, now is the day of salvation. We're to proclaim Jesus call people to be reconciled to God and, and I wish I knew uh, what that would have looked like as a younger guy, as a younger Christian mm. um, because I think I might have tried some more hard things but the fear of failure was holding me back Yeah,
1: yeah. and you can understand that like from where you came from and but also it's exciting to see like, the person that God's made you to be mm. and, then he, and then as we've said already he works through all of us mm. and I think I mean, talking about established, and you said it was, you know, we we talked. I thought I thought you approached it with a lot of humility, and you said, "Well, <laughs> having said that, it was really messy." That just shows this humility in that, anyway. So, mm-hmm. but again, like it sounds like you've learned so much through that as well. God's taught you a lot through that. That yeah. it's still really um, there would have been some really really tough parts of it, but there's some really we talked about joyful moments as well like it, oh, yeah. even through all the sadness and the heartache and it, it sounds like you still found things that were actually really really good about it too yeah i, mean, I think that's really special yeah thank yeah.
2: you yeah, th- yeah i mean look my last sermon at establish was asking the question was it worth it um we were looking at revelation 4 and 5 and um, particularly four eleven you're worthy our lord and god to receive all honor glory and power because you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being that's about one of the only memory verses that i remember (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um but but like i i asked the question that everybody probably would have been scared to ask which was it worth it we threw so much time energy money people towards this thing and it Close, you know, like we we poured our heart and soul into it, like as in everybody, not not just us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I think that there was this story that came up of that from a missionary called Helen Roosevelt, and uh, she. Uh, lived in Northern Ireland, she was a doctor, Uh, I can't remember what country, but it was in Africa, Uh, she basically said that the question that I always asked myself was, is it worth it, you know, is it worth me investing time in medicine, is it worth me doing this, and she got to the point where all of her life's work um, in a a day was pretty much burnt up, she was was beaten, raped, uh, teeth kicked out, um, tied to a post, um, uh, because of the work that she was doing, and they they brought out all of her memoirs, all of all of the stuff that was kind of recording her work and the work of the gospel in that area, and they set light to it wow. um, in front of her. And, and actually, interesting, that was worse for her than the other physical things that had happened. And uh, and and she tells this story. You can actually go onto YouTube and, and hear her talking about this. Uh, but she basically said, you know, like like ask the question that I always asked, and the question was. Is it worth it? Was this worth it? And she said that God came along and said at that moment, Helen, that's not the right question. The question is, am I worthy? Am I worthy? And, uh, and, and, that, and that's what we get in Revelation 4.11, right? He is worthy of absolutely all of our life and more um and uh, and for me then that that means that you know Jesus was completely worthy of all of the work blood sweat and tears that we did for him and more and he is worthy of us trying to graft into other churches and plant more churches so you know like I came away from that going out, you know, we would do that again we would plant another church again mm. we would do that and um yeah so I yeah. think that was the, the the final thing he is worthy of absolutely everything
1: and I think actually it's a really good way to wrap up the episode. <laughs> it was perfect. Any final words, about Braden, before we, before we finish?
0: Oh, just thank you, Lee. It's a yeah. mm. pleasure, privilege, blessing to hear about how God has worked early in your life, throughout your whole life, obviously, throughout established especially, and now mm. going on to the future with MTS and mm. wherever you end up. It's, yeah. it's thank a, you. It's a blessing to hear about how mission-hearted you are, how mm. much you love the gospel mm. and how much you love sharing that with other people. Yeah. So
2: thank you. Thank you, and it's a real blessing for me. I think, and our family being so revival church, oh, and, as and are you going, guys. And, and going. How do we, you know, like, like we're just we're just normal Christians. We're part of this church, and, mm. and uh, but how do how do we use those things that God has gifted us in and, and wired us in to love and serve the people here and in, in the Shire, and and that's a that's a real joy. I thought that would have been harder mm. than what it was that's to nice. effectively myself to somebody else's mission and vision but actually it's all god's mission and yeah absolutely uh, so so that that's what it's about so yeah, the, yeah. that's what you guys have made that really oh, easy and a real joy um for us it's oh, that's been so great awesome.
1: yeah yeah well, as, oh echo brain it's been a pleasure having you on yeah. two parts <laughs> yeah <So laughs> thank you thank you thank you very much um for coming thank you to everyone that's been listening and uh yeah we're gonna finish this trip on through the one way as always one way one way, one way. that's good